now it's Just Plane Radio. Yeah. The show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. I can fly. Take me to the Brought to you by JustPlaneRadio.com. It's your lucky day. Your aviation resource on the information super skyway. You got a plane. Call Just Plane Radio toll free now at 888-884-2FLY. And the sky's the limit. That's 888-884-2359. Sir, I'd like you to take the helm, please. I'd be glad to. Greg, your co-pilot, that's me, Aloha Captain Dennis. We are your crew for Just Plane Radio, the show devoted to the aviation lifestyle and learning to fly. All right, so uh, a lot of stuff going on uh, this week. Uh, I got a couple comments uh, for Captain Dennis about Jimmy's World and his Elvis airplane. Uh, we got to talk about that a little bit later on. But before we do, there was a video clip that literally went viral this week uh, with uh, you know concerning the appointment for the FAA administrator. Now, uh, most folks in the aviation world have probably seen this pop up on their timeline somewhere. If you follow anything like Just Plain Radio or aviation, you know, uh, news and information and that kind of stuff, because it, it was a, quite an eye opener, I think, if you're a pilot. And that is the appointment for the FAA administrator. He was in, uh, on Capitol Hill this week and he was being you know, uh, interviewed by Congress, and they're asking him questions. You know, it gets all political and stuff, too. But the thing that stood out was the uh, exchange he had with one of the folks from Congress. And they asked him seven aviation questions, and he couldn't answer any of them. <laughs> and it was like, wait a minute. This guy's supposed to head up the uh, FAA, and uh, he, he can't answer these seven aviation questions. Now, look. Uh, you know, I, I'm not attacking uh, anything political here, but the question I think a, a lot of folks had, especially if you're pilots, if you're going to head up the FAA, you're thinking, well, maybe it makes sense that the uh, administrator for the FAA has some aviation background. And it appears, at least from the answers he gave, which were basically he didn't uh, have any answers to these seven questions, and we're going to get into them. Uh, it appears, though, that... Uh, he might be lacking in that uh, thing. And, and should that be a requirement? I don't know. Dennis, what do you think? Should it be? Well, actually, if you look at the, the uh, transcripts and dialogues of all of those conversations, uh, they do bring out one of the criteria of the FAA administrator is that they have aviation experience. But in typical Washington, D.C.'s, they don't define what counts as experience. So I guess if you were a skycap, uh, you know, or... Worked a worked a luggage counter or something at the airline that might count as aviation experience, right. uh, as opposed to maybe like our previous administrator who definitely checked the boxes as a former Air Force pilot, used to be a former head of Delta, mm-hmm. was a uh, uh, you know a, a captain for the airline. Right. I mean, that's the kind of guy that you want. That when you have well, you would you would expect seven max that type you know, of <laughs> background. Yeah. Yes. You know, and you would think he'd be able to pass a sniff test if somebody at Boeing is trying to tell him, "Hey, well, we didn't need this." Well, you know what? I'm not certifying your plane until I personally fly it. Well, I, I so, mean, maybe that would be, uh, you know, the perfect candidate. Okay. But, uh, you know, I, you know, and I think anybody can agree that, you know, whether it's uh, the FAA administrator or any boss that comes into any business, you know, the people under him are going to respect him more if he has a little bit of a background in that particular profession. Would you agree? 
I think you have to have some sort of a background to be able to ask the right questions or when people are trying to tell you something that they're not just pulling wool over your eyes. Right. You know, the BS meter's got to be uh, primed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and look, I, I'm not saying this guy doesn't have, you know, a ton of managerial experience handling budgets and things like that. And that's what I've, you know, what the other side are trying to back him up and say, hey, look, you know, maybe it's good to bring someone from outside of aviation who can manage things better than say like you know like you mentioned the you know the 737 max issue where you know the the concern was did was was it boeing got was too close to the people the faa and then they therefore they didn't you know oversee them like they should and maybe it's good to bring someone in from the outside that wouldn't have that kind of uh connection to the industry okay maybe i you know i get it but but when it comes to you know, the people under you or the people you're supposed to serve, you know, FAA-wise, FAA has some problems right now. They've always had problems. And if you think you, if you have someone in there that doesn't, can't answer some basic pilot questions, that probably doesn't instill the best confidence in uh, the organization as a whole, uh, is is my my gut feeling. I mean, do you feel that way too, Dennis, a little bit or, or no? It, absolutely, okay. and in light of their current problems, maybe they also need somebody that's got IT experience. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> you know, given the the meltdowns we've had with their computer systems, and right, you know, having somebody that understands how to lead that charge uh, might also be of benefit to the yeah. FAA. And maybe that would be the answer. Like, look, I can't answer this question about aviation, but I do uh, have this, this, and this, and and you know, maybe did that. I don't know. You know, and, and I don't want to turn this into a big political thing in that regard. What I want to do is talk about the seven questions he couldn't answer. Because uh, I was listening to this, and I saw the video myself, and I was kind of like, golly, this this is the head of the FAA, or potentially? I was like, I, I think I would like him to know the answer to this. But these don't seem like super difficult questions, you know, even from someone, uh, someone like me. Now, I'm not going to say I can answer them, but we're going to go through them and find out if maybe... We have a better shot than he does in that regard. You ready, Dennis? Is Greg smarter than an FAA nominee? Okay, hmm. let's find out. First question was, what airspace requires ADSB transponders? And uh, he, he couldn't answer that one. And I, I, I think it's, uh, well, it's all of them except the last one, right? The, you, know, you need it in a Bravo. Yeah. You need it in, uh, inside of Charlie's and above a Charlie. Right. Um. And in Class A airspace. Okay, so the three, and there's five total, right? Do I yeah, have that you, right? You've got your uncontrolled. Yeah. And non tower. And I think totally we, might, we might have, yeah, and then the class, Al- class Echo. So you've got Golf and Echo. Yeah, um, okay. And then I think also above 10,000 feet, just like it was required for Mode C, which. would doesn't matter what kind of airspace. Okay, I'm going to give but my. I'm going to give me. Does it, does it matter that. I'm going to give me 50% on that one. Does it matter that the FAA administrator the knows. Yeah. Oh, maybe not. Yeah, okay, it, and that's fine. That's fine. But I'm just I'm trying to put this uh, from my perspective here. So I, I kind of, you know, I had a, a general idea. You know, I I, I get you'd give me fifty percent on that answer, wouldn't you? I think yeah. in an we're grading on a bell curve here, Dennis. Come on, bluff your way through. Okay, all right. I'm gonna take that as a yes. <laughs> all right. Next question: What are the six types of special use airspace? that appear on FAA charts. Okay, special use airspace. Now, is, what is he talking about? Like TFR, military TFRs on, an, on a chart or what? He's 
A, a TFR is a type of special use airspace, but we're probably more concerned with MOAs, prohibited, restricted, warning, alert, national defense areas, things like right. that. Okay. So I, I don't think I could name them uh, right off the top of my head. So I'm a... I'm gonna get. Oh, I'm gonna pass on that one because so, I don't think so, I would have got any. But percentage. here, yeah, you do know what they are. If I was to hand you a sectional and you'd look at the legend on the front page of the sectional, they're yeah. spelled out for you right yeah, there. It would be. I, I know I'm not supposed to fly there. I would know that much, and then I would double check it and do some more research. But and that well, one's a can, little. Can you fly there? Let let's let's. See. Well, it depends on MOA. what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, Right. So, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. So understanding the implications of those airspace is maybe more important than, no, I don't want to fly there. Because well, if you true. try to not fly there in Florida, there's a lot of places you're not going because the uh, special use airspace is all over down here. Well, there you go. So, you know, Dennis is trying to, you know, coax it out of me and get me some credit. So... You know, I'm going to become, you know, I'm going to be your examiner or your right. instructor. So I got to prepare you for the DPE, right? So well, that's this true. This is how we prep for the oral. I mean, you're going a step further. I'm just trying to see if I have a shot at being the FAA administrator. That's it. <laughs> so we're going with that. Uh, question number three: What are the operational limitations of a pilot flying under basic med? And uh, I kind of know that. I think. Um, I'm going to have to think about it during the commercial break because uh, I'm going to be flying under that once I get approved. And maybe, the, you know, I'm not getting approved because they don't have an FAA administrator right now. It's taking a really long time. More coming up on Just Plain Radio. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Do you have a message or product you need to share with the aviation world? Well, look no further than Just Plain Radio. Just like you, thousands of aviation enthusiasts are hearing this message. And we could be talking about you and your product or service as early as next Saturday. Remember, a terrible thing happens when you don't advertise. Nothing. Go to JustPlainRadio.com. Send us an email and let us get to work to make your marketing message matter. Whether you're a flight student, an experienced pilot, or simply an aviation enthusiast, there is a place for you as a member of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Join AOPA to get the latest general aviation news, safety resources, and technical support you need to sharpen your skills and become a central part of the nation's vibrant general aviation community. Learn more about becoming a member at AOPA.org. That's AOPA.org. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot. And flight training professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. 
for takeoff with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Listen up. You want to hit back? We're going to have to wingsuit in. It's the only way to get close. I can't promise anyone a ride home, but if you're with me, the world needs you now. But I can fly. I can fly. Oh. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me along with Captain Dennis. We are your crew navigating the latest aviation news and information and uh, trying to figure out if I have a shot at becoming the FAA uh, administrator. Uh, there was uh, this viral video of the nominee being quizzed by Congress, and uh, he didn't have uh, really pretty much any answers to seven questions. One of the uh, senators asked him, and uh, we're going through them, so maybe I have a better shot if I can answer those questions. Maybe I can get them on my side, and I got a new gig. I don't know. But the third question was, what are the operational limitations of a pilot flying under basic med? First off, I don't think the uh, nominee even knew what basic med was from his reaction. Well, yeah, of course. It, it's uh, it's not okay. quite as serious as a third-class medical certificate, which I am under review for right now. Uh, but once, uh, it, okay, help me out just a little bit. But once you get your third-class medical, you could go back to basic med and not have to go through quite as many hoops. You can go see your your family doctor and get a checkup like once every two years as opposed to having to go to a you know aviation doc. Is that the deal, kind of? Close. All right, help me out. You're close. So with basic med, a requirement is that you have had a third-class medical at right. least yeah. within the last 10 years. And if you had a special issuance like you have, you have to have the special issuance. Right. But then you do not need to go back through the special issuance process. You just have to go see your family doctor once every four years, mm-hmm. and you have to take an online medical awareness class every two years. So it makes it a little less onerous. You're already going to go see your family doctor for you know routine checkups or whatever, so you just have them do the comprehensive medical exam, uh, evaluation checklist. Right. And you go online to either AOPA or Mayo Clinic and do your online training and keep a record of it in your logbook. You're good to go. Yeah. I like this idea. And they did this to you know kind of eliminate a lot of the red tape. When it comes to uh, keeping these things updated, you know, because I'll tell you, I mean, in my situation, I'm I'm uh, right now being considered for this special issuance from an incident I had in August of 2016. I mean, it wasn't minor. It was open heart surgery, but I've recovered. I'm 110 percent. I'm good. I've done every test you can imagine. I feel fine. Uh, you know, everything's under control. All's good. And it's been quite a while. But I've, you know, I, I, I've put in all the paperwork and I've had to wait literally six months now. And it's mm-hmm. taken way too long. But, you and know. That's, and that's the problem with the third class medical, which was one of the advantages of basic med is that once you go through that special issuance, you don't have to do it again. Because right. you will wind up finding out that there's probably a limitation on your special issuance that says you need to be reevaluated in a year. Right. And it's already taking you six months. So, mm-hmm. You know, here you go. Well, and, and uh, I so do that anyway. You out of that, you that know? end of cycle. Yep. Right. But but if they tell me, okay, you got to do this, all right, fine. I'll know. I'll have my plan and I can go forward and that kind of thing. So, you know. I, so, so what's the downside to basic med? Why isn't everybody with a third class going basic med? 
Well, because there's a limitation on uh, what you can do. You can't be uh, hired exactly uh, for right. a flight, right? So you yeah, have you need some at least limitations. Second class medical. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about the, the speed? Si- yeah. Well, oh, there's I, I, the speed and size of the airplanes you can fly. Oh, right. Yeah. So you can't go over 250 knots. You can't go with more than six uh, six passengers. In right. the airplane. Okay. Or actually, it's a six-seat airplane, so five passengers plus you. Mm-hmm. And you can't go above 18,000 feet. Okay. So that's, think uh, about that. you got that fire-breathing turbocharged bonanza that's really efficient in, in low low two, you know, flight levels. If you got your instrument rating, you can't go above 18,000. So right. there you go. There's well, a limitation unless there. I maintain my third-class medical once I get it uh, approved. Correct. Yeah. So yep. we'll have to wait and see so, on that regard. So that's a little more, you know. I'm I'm not surprised the guy didn't know this one, but uh, but should he? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it, I well, would feel better if that, he did. You know, that's kind of my point. You've got aviation safety inspectors who that's their job is to know those the minutia of those individual limitations. Right. I think I want somebody with a bigger picture of yeah. regulatory and certification and things like that. So mm-hmm. it would have I mean, been nice to hear him. Say, you know, something like, well, I don't know what the specifics are, but yeah, it's a new program they released a few years ago to kind of loosen the restrictions for pilots and their medical certificate. You know, something like that would have been nice to hear, but Mm -hmm. he just wasn't familiar with it. And I I get it. And yeah, I'd give him a pass on that one. Let's look at the next question, which is, can you tell me what causes an aircraft to spin or to stall? And he just said, look, uh, Senator, I'm not a pilot. I don't know. And uh, that one. Well, at least he didn't say that the engine quit. <laughs> yeah, I would. I, right? I mean, I, I could have done a serious little tap dance. Uh, lack of fuel. Uh, there's something in the way I flew into. Uh, you know. I, and, but seriously, what, what causes an aircraft to stall? There's uh, only one thing that causes it. Uh, l- uh, angle of attack. Right. Very good. You exceed the critical angle of attack. Yes. That's what causes a stall. Mm-hmm. So what causes a spin? Uh, well, you exceed that, and then it uh, you lose control of your ailerons, and I don't know. Answer me. You Come on, give me the answer. You have to be uncoordinated. Uncoordinated. Words, you there you more go. more right rudder or left rudder. You cannot spin unless you're stalled. And you cannot spin if you are stalled and in a co- in coordinated flight. Right. Okay. Well, uh... so that's basic aerodynamics. I think I would expect that somebody in an administrator should at least have a concept of how airplanes fly. Yeah, or you so, at least throw out the angle of attack issue. You know. Yeah. I mean, because you know that's kind of like. Uh, but I think he probably felt that they were attacking him. So you know. Here well, we yeah. Good point. All right, next question. What are the three aircraft certifications the FAA requires as part of the manufacturing uh, process? The three aircraft certifications the FAA requires as part of the manufacturing process. Now, I don't know. I don't know that one. Do you? I'm not sure. I I think there's a production certificate. Um, There's probably the type certificate. Um, you know, there may be, I don't know if they're going to go into something like PMA, which is parts manufacturing approvals, Right. but it's going to probably be something along that line. And again, that may be something I would expect at a higher level in management of understanding the process, because that's what Agreed. got Boeing in trouble because yeah. they had a designated, um, 
airworthiness approval that their people could actually sign off on the airplanes, which honestly makes sense because they have their inspectors that are following their processes according to their production certificate. So why do we need to have an FAA official sitting in here just to sign the paperwork as it's going through Boeing's plant? Right. Uh, But that's where the things kind of broke down, as you alluded to earlier. They maybe got a little too comfy cozy, delegated too much to Boeing, and without FAA oversight, we wound up with the MAX fiasco. They're like, oh, wait, there's three types we have to approve? No! I don't think that's how it went, but yeah. we got a couple more questions. Let's get into them next on Just Plain Radio. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot, and flight training professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. You are now clear for takeoff with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. You gonna ride shotgun with me? Help me fly. That's the plan. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me, Law Captain Dennis. Now we're answering the seven questions the FAA nominee couldn't really answer uh, this past week. You probably saw the video. Got through the first five. Two more to go. And let's see if I have a better shot than he does to run the organization. So far, you're giving me, uh, what, on a bell curve, like 70%, you're saying? I think you're still passing. Okay. I'll take that. I'll take it for sure. All right. Next question is, can you tell me what the minimum separation distance for the landing and departing airliners during the daytime? Can you know the minimum separation distance is for landing and departing airlines, airliners during the daytime? I'm going to say, oh, man, that's, that's a tough one. A mile at least, wouldn't it? I, I I don't know what what or it wouldn't be in feet, would it? I mean, this is a commercial thing. I'm not going to know this. I'm just guessing. What do you think, Dennis? You have any idea, or do you not know the answer well, either? <laughs> I actually don't know off the top of my head. I, right. I, you know, this is one of those FAA you know air traffic controller things: arrival and separation. Yeah. Now the question is, 
there there are some you know distance separations obviously you can't have an airplane on the same runway but you know what is the how many miles in trail and it differs whether you have parallel approaches if they're on ILSs or not things like that yeah uh, i mean actually it'd have to be more than a mile for when you're talking about a jet a commercial jet it would have to be uh probably 5 to 10 wouldn't it like when they're coming in or taking off? Oh, no, you wouldn't have them that far apart. They you don't might think be it'd be that far? A mile or a mile and a half apart. All right, so you're you're going with that, uh, my first gut then. So, all right, we don't know because we're not commercial pilots and we don't know. Now, should the FAA administrator know this? Mm, I, I would feel pretty good if he did, or she, for that matter. Uh, but he, he, did not, uh, he did not know. He said, I don't want to guess on that, Senator. Unlike me, I would have guessed. I'm like, oh, I'm going to say a mile, mile plus. You know, uh, what do you, you know, but no, he just, he didn't have an oh. answer. Yeah. Well, you gave me enough time to look it up. Um, in radar facilities, no less than three nautical miles laterally and a thousand feet vertically must be maintained. So okay. All right. That, that, so. so I was right in there. I said a mile to five, uh, maybe even 10, you know, so on a cloudy day, more than five. <laughs> But three is the minimum. Okay, that sounds good. All right, and the last question he was asked, are you familiar with the difference between Part 107 and Part 44809 when it comes to unmanned aerial standards? And I'm going to join him on this one. No, I cannot uh, spell that out. (laughs) I think he wanted the number again. I don't think I would have. He was just stalling for time, and I would have done the same thing on that one. I have no idea. Do you even know what those numbers mean in the commercial uh, airline well, world? Part 107 is recreational drones. So that's for 55 pounds and under. So oh. I'm going to assume that the 449 uh, or whatever the other one was. 44809. 44809. So that most likely would be your larger drones. Yes. Things like uh, the the Reaper and the Predator, that type of thing. Okay. Uh, All know. right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, yeah, when it comes to unmanned aerial standards. So are you familiar with the difference between Part 107 and Part 44809 when it comes to unmanned aerial standards? So that makes sense. Part 107 is just your uh, small hobbyist drone. And then the other one's, uh, you know, more like military type stuff, probably. Or the stuff that Amazon's going to use to bring you your latest Prime delivery. Okay, there's that. But, uh, he, yeah, he didn't know anything about that one either. So he was not. Uh, and that one, I think that given the, uh, the way things are going, in, you know, in our society, as mo- more and more stuff is moving towards unmanned and drones. Right. Having a at least a concept of drone, you know, integration in the national airspace system is probably a requirement. Yeah. Well, I, you know, a requirement or at least make us feel much better about the person in charge if they did have a, a grasp of, the, of that kind of thing. Yeah, that would instill a little bit more confidence in someone who doesn't have it like me. <laughs> so, you know, I, I... Yeah, but you're a host of a radio show, not the guy making policy that's right. going to affect everybody that's trying to learn how to fly and, yeah. and exist in the airspace. But I shouldn't know more than the So, than so our expectations for you, Greg, are much lower. <laughs> oh, okay. And yet you've hit it out of the park and exceeded, uh, you know, potentially our next administrator. That's really scary. That's very uh, disturbing on many levels. Uh, but, but you know, I, I, I don't, 
it, it just seems, I think, like I said, I go back to the question or the comment that what, despite how you feel about who nominated them or politics or any of that kind of thing, should this be a prerequisite for the uh, you know person who's going to head up the FAA to have a basic knowledge of uh, some aviation things like this? I, I would well, say, yeah, it seems like it should. I can't well, believe it does let's back doesn't. that question up just a touch. Why is this position even an appointed position for something as critical as the Federal Aviation Administrator? Why are we nominating somebody with political connections or for political reasons? Why aren't we hiring somebody that actually knows how to do the job? Why aren't we hiring somebody with those qualifications to run the agency and report to them as, as opposed to every time we get a new re- new regime we have new administrators with new ideas and that have no you know as we can see may not have practical experience in it i think for aviation as critical as it is appointing it is a really bad idea well i mean it depends on how you look at it. look at it i mean he's being appointed and then it's up to the congress to approve it correct right so they're again, they're they're in charge of doing the interview process now. Depending on who's in power at the time, whether they have qualifications or not, if they display the political. But why thing. don't we just get that whole layer out of there in the first place? And you hire somebody on a GS salary and put them in there and hire them to do the job. Oh, you talking sense, Dennis? I, this is I'm government. What's know. wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's the and I'll uh, apply. Yeah, that's the caveat to this whole thing. It's uh it's a government and you know common sense kind of goes out the window. But uh in this case, you know, it, it is uh a little disturbing. And I think for a lot of people this kind of shined a light on something that I think a lot of people didn't realize was even going on. I mean, well, until it's not just the FAA that's affected by this. I mean, look at every brand, every single agency is under the same type of a problem. Right. Whether it's the education Postal Service, all have got appointed leaders. Yeah, but they're appointed, but they're supposed to be appointed with some kind of qualifications or or have the skills to be able to do this. We're talking uh, about our government. (laughs) Right, I agree. I agree. But I'm just, you know, I I think everybody is very surprised uh, that the fact that he he couldn't answer some of these basic uh, aviation questions, and they were coming like, how is this even possible? You know, and uh, I don't even know what the status is, by the way. If he'll still go ahead and be uh, confirmed for this or not, I, I don't know how long the process takes and all that kind of stuff. But but it is uh, very surprising. And, I, and, I, and like I said, it is a little disturbing, too. But for pilots in general that, you know, no, hey, the FAA is the organization we have to deal with. And the guy in charge doesn't can't even answer some basic uh, pilot questions that uh, I had to learn just to get my private pilot certificate. That's not very. Uh, that's not an ideal situation. It doesn't seem uh, great for me. And that's well. I'm, I'm just surprised they didn't add a, ask him something. You know, from current events. You know, like what is the uh, notum? You know, given the FAA meltdown that with the NOTAM system that caused the ground halt, you know, notice that would have been to what? Yeah, what is it? I don't even know what it's it is. It's now, now notice to air missions. Remember, we have right. to be inclusive. Yes, notice to airmen. Then I would I would have got no, that. No, no, no. I would have got that answer wrong. See, all right, more coming up on Just Plane Radio. Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle.
cleared for takeoff with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. This test today, it's important. I got it. I'm going to make you look good up there. Don't worry. Okay, now let's get these pants off and fly some planes. I'm ready to fly around the clouds. But what goes up must come down. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me along Captain Dennis navigating the latest aviation news and information. And just finding out if we have a shot at being the uh, FAA administrator. Uh, I, You know, I might have performed slightly better than he did uh, in front of Congress this past week. But I don't think uh, it's, uh, you know, in the card for me to run that organization. And and I, I want to be careful here. I don't, I don't want to badmouth him. I don't want to badmouth the FAA uh, because I'm still waiting for them to approve my third-class medical. So... I want to make sure we get that out there because I know they listen, and maybe that's why it's taken so long. I was like, we'll show that radio moron. <laughs> you think that's what's going on, Dennis? Why are no, they taking- not, not officially. No, no not officially, <laughs> right. Uh, but anyway, we, we love everybody in the FAA. Uh, they need a new boss, and hopefully they'll work that out. But, you know, they got, they got problems. They, they've had a lot of issues. They get beat up on all the time. It'd be nice if they get a good quality leader in there. Right now, jury's out on that. We'll have to see where this goes. But we do have some other FAA news, and maybe this will uh, be uh, you know sh- shine them in a brighter light. You think? Well, I, there's <laughs> definitely another light being shined on them, okay. and it's not a good one, of oh, course. Oh well, so much for so, that idea. You know, as we mentioned in the last segment, uh, you know, the FAA NOTAM system was definitely an issue recently where that computer system is so obsolete, out of date, and not even scheduled to be upgraded or replaced for several years. Wait, wait, I thought they solved all the problems with NOTAMs when they renamed it. And they re uh, uh, did the acronym yeah that for it. that didn't solve that any didn't help anything. In, Come on, in fact, it You're probably kidding. created more. <laughs> Notice but, to error missions, right? Mission. Yeah, so that that's going to solve our NOTAM problems by renaming it. Yep. Yeah. Nope. Well, that's that was the idea, but uh, what happened instead? Well, what happened most recently now is the IACRA system, which is basically where every student pilot, anybody that's trying to get a rating, um, needs to go through this portal. This is where you fill out your application for a rating. Yeah. Well. It was a very, you know, well, it's a cumbersome system to use. Just let's face it, it's the FAA. Mm-hmm. But at least you could go in there and you filled out your application. Then your instructor could go log in and sign your application. And it would be available for your DPE then for you to go take your check ride. Okay. Well, that system actually went down. And it went down uh, just in the middle of the week. No notice, broke. Hmm. Uh, I had a student that I was sending off for his instrument uh, rating, yeah. uh, another student, and I got a call from the examiner that said, hey, uh, the IACRA's down. The FAA doesn't know when it's coming back up. Um, I don't think I can get into his application for him to take the test, and the FAA requires either IACRA or signed ink on paper from the CFI for the application. Hmm. That's so not I had good. to call the student who yeah. was in his airplane doing his run-up at the end of the runway and say, stop, do all your pre-flight, get everything loaded, but do not leave. I need to bring you three copies of a form. So I'm printing out three PDFs, getting them signed, hopping in the golf cart, driving across the airport, 
to get him his paperwork so he could take his check ride. Now, is that efficient? Mm, not no. ideal. We we probably need to fix these antique systems and get you know get them more resilient, modernized, and yeah. you know we need an administrator with vision that to realize that the automation is just as crucial to the FAA's processes as anything else. So this so, happened this past week too. It's ongoing. They still haven't uh, officially fixed it all the way. Well, are they so, even saying what the problem is? Uh, they have or, not. No. Nothing's been publicly released yet, but they're saying that, um, you know, the students that have gone into IACRA, they need to check back after like the 7th of March or something like that to see if their application actually made it through the system because they had to restore from backups and may have lost applications. So people may have to go back to their DPE and redo paperwork or do manual paperwork, which then has to get sent to the local FISDO and then forwarded to Oklahoma City. And if nothing's right on the paperwork form, which... To be honest, most instructors haven't touched a paper 8710 in a long time, so it's likely to get rejected back, and here, you know, we're going to be bouncing stuff back and forth for months. So the chances of a student getting their certificate in a timely manner is uh, greatly reduced right now. So you weren't kidding when you were uh, suggesting that the FAA administrator should be, or should have some IT background as opposed to uh, (laughs) aviation. That might be better. And Given their problems, I mean, those are only two systems. There's a lot of others out there that they rely on. And, uh, yeah, what's the next domino to fall? Right. But just to be clear, uh, there's no conspiracy here. The system wasn't hacked. We, there's, or is that out there, too? or No, it sounded like it was just, you know. Uh, old systems. Old systems. Something got corrupted. They restore from backup, which caused data loss. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. And, uh, well, just one more issue they got to deal with. Uh, that is sad. So you got the paperwork to him, and he got checked out, and everything was okay? Yeah, he still? made it through the oral. We're waiting for weather to cooperate, because the weather up in Ocala the last weekend was uh, not exactly ideal for a check ride. So, yeah. Well, what uh, happened? Oh, well, they had low clouds, rain, um, high winds. You know, you, you guys uh, probably experienced some of that, too. Winds right. were gusting into the... 20, you know, almost 30 knots. So you don't exactly want to go take your instrument check ride like that. Well, you don't want to, but if you uh, achieve it, that means you're just that much better of a pilot, doesn't it? Um, yes, but <laughs> let's go back to aeronautical decision-making. And uh, if you have an option to not fly when the conditions are borderline, uh, right. maybe that would be a good idea. And so this student decided to exercise his judgment and instead took the deferral and uh, we'll be taking the rest of the check ride later when the weather is hopefully not so windy and raining. Okay. Well, all right. And, and probably the examiner appreciated that too and gave him a little brownie point. You think? Let, let's hope it counts. Let's hope it counts. Right. And then also you flew back and forth uh, between uh, uh, Jacksonville this past week. Is that right? Well, right. Um, you know, was up for the getting the jet shades installed, so I've right. uh, made made quite a few round trips between uh, mid, er, uh, the Fort Myers area in Jacksonville. Even uh, went and met a, a pilot friend of mine who happens to work for one of my customers, and uh, we went flying up to Jekyll Island to go get dinner. Yeah. So, what, you got them all looking, installed now? Your jet shades? Uh, they're in. Yep. Yeah. And are are you feeling twenty percent cooler? 
What do you think? I well, just sitting on the ground, the airplane looks twenty percent cooler. Well, okay, because it has those mirrored type of uh, reflections but, coming out of your aircraft now. Yeah, now I'm just waiting for a nice hot sunny day to really go put them to the test. Yeah, well, we've been getting that, and, and uh, we'll report accordingly. Yeah, but so far you haven't really put it to the test yet. They're just in when you uh, you haven't flown it enough or been out in the sun to really test it. Right, I've been spending most of my time here in the neighborhood getting that student finished up with his uh, instrument ratings. So. Right. Are you seeing a weather window where he's going to be able to, you know, pick up that check ride and get her done or what? Uh, we're just hoping he's already on the calendar. So we'll uh, just keep our fingers crossed. That the next date is good and uh, I'll launch him out of here and hopefully we'll have another instrument uh, qualified pilot here by the end of the week. Yeah. And as far as the weather, was that uh, kind of a bummer uh, for him personally? Did he go, dang yeah. it, I wanted to get this done. Or was he kind of like, well, at least I don't have to do it in this uh, weather mess? Well, it, it kind of uh, reinforced his original decision on the day of his, or, you know, when he took a, went and took the original check ride, he def- took the deferral um, because the winds were gusting, you know, over 20. Yeah. And the, the examiner said, you know, do you really want to take this? Because I don't, you know, he kind of agreed with him that, yeah, let's let's push this off. Well, then the next wind date for the uh, recheck was even worse so he justified his his decision so now he's got a little bit extra time to uh you know do a little additional practice and kind of hopefully polish up uh you know some of the areas where he maybe wasn't quite you know 100 percent confident uh this will give him a little bit extra time to to tweak his uh training well in his spare time maybe he can apply for faa administrator he's got more skills than the guys up for the job right now and probably better than me that, and you that is not a doubt <laughs> all right <laughs> and well, he knows on... how to deal with government agencies because he's a uh, an accountant okay well that might help too and on that note we're gonna wrap it up till next time remember there's no better high than learning to fly just Plain Radio is brought to you by JustPlainRadio.com. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from Morbid. Your aviation resource on the information super skyway. It's the only way to be sure. Just Plain Radio is a production of Overboard Entertainment Incorporated. But just plain wrong. Remember, you can listen live or to archives of past shows worldwide over the internet at JustPlainRadio.com. I'm going to leave my people up to the radio tower. So tell a friend and take off every week with Just Plain Radio. And I'm going to make a call. The show devoted exclusively to fly and the aviation lifestyle. Listen up, everybody. I have some news. The opinions you just heard on Just Plane Radio are those of the hosts, callers, and guests. We are screwed. They are not necessarily those of any station or network, its management, or advertisers. A little too far. Cross the line. There are many factors to consider before learning to fly. What is your problem? So make sure you do your own research and get the proper instruction before your exploration into aviation. Thank you very much, sir. Have any questions or comments? Feel free to do so via the web at JustPlaneRadio.com.